Welcome to Projects from the Heart podcast. Listen as we talk with changemakers who are forging ahead to follow their dreams and passions. Get inspired by these trailblazers and hear them share their secrets of success. Find that aha moment, that inspired one-liner that will propel you to live your dreams and a more fulfilled life. Here are your hosts, Ingrid Verkamen and Jeff Poole. Hello, hello, women beyond ordinary. Welcome to our ninth episode, Projects from the Heart. From a young age, some extraordinary people know what they want to become. They are passionate, driven, and their future looks bright. And all goes to plan, and somebody comes along to ruin it all. And yeah, you know what I'm talking about. There are people in this world who put money and fame first, and it doesn't bother them to destroy a person's life. They don't give a single thought, and they do everything at the expense of the other person's well-being. And that is hard if you are that other person. So it is a pleasure for me to introduce you to the young and trendy Sarah Hogg. Talented and hardworking Sarah was such a person who was nearly destroyed by life's events. But resilient people, driven people, will find a new path. They see new opportunities, they follow an inner calling, they find something to get out of bed for. They find their purpose. And for them, the sky is the limit. Sarah has spent her youth and youth adulthood training as an athlete. However, her coaches had her taking amphetamines and at the age of 16, she had complete adrenal failure. She found her calling in launching several restaurants and becoming a master chef who works internationally, building and creating world-class plant-based menus. And it all started, yes, with adrenal failure. Sarah is an American living in LA. She is the creator, founder, and CEO of Vitalist. And that's an elite, nutrient-dense, organic, pre-packed, superfood product line. It's all high-frequency food. Find out more about her on vitalistfood.com. Hello, Sarah. A warm welcome from me and my co-host, Jeff. Hi, nice to see you or hear you. <laughs> well, we finally get to meet and I'm so excited to hear your story, Sarah. I'm a bit of a foodie too. How is life treating you in LA with the COVID-19? Wow, what a weird time it is. Uh, I actually miss seeing people's mouths. <laughs> <laughs> it's so uh, nice to see face smiles and even frowns you get kind of an idea about what's going on for somebody it's hard to read a person when you only see their eyes but you can see something but it's kind of it's a different thing when you lose the mouth it's a completely different world isn't it and that creates a lot of stress for people how yeah. do you cope with that well um it's interesting because i um i, I believe when you when you're driven by something so although it's a challenging time, and, it's, it, and it very much is a challenging time, and I've sort of had to um, wrap my brain like I have in the past, sort of around the thing and figure out how to keep, 
to go through it despite um, external factors. So I know, I know that's like a vague answer, but keeping the, your focus on why you're doing something really makes the difference. So I'm really motivated by helping people feel better and educating people on how to feel better. And we use food as a means to that. And um, so I, I would call it elevating consciousness through the food bodies. So um, my mission remains clear despite the challenges of time ever. So how was it to live with adrenal fatigue? Tell us a bit about that and what that means, what that involved and what that was for you and your impact in your life. The, the story is a little bit more layered than that even. So in my really young high school, like early middle school, late middle school, early high school, I moved up to the volleyball, the varsity volleyball team in eighth grade and the, and the varsity gymnastics team in seventh grade. So at 12 years old, I was competing in varsity sports. And then a little bit of a disturbance occurred in, in my emotional life. And I went to, they sent me to a psychiatrist, put me on doctor prescribed speed for hyperactivity disorder. And so um, I ended up on dexamphetamine until I was nearly 20 years old. But this, this, this also caused adrenal fatigue. It caused liver enzyme reduction. So I had very little liver enzymes. I was really unable to process fats and even uh, manage toxins. On any level and, I, and then I had gone into the fashion industry at 20 and at, at that time I sort of went off this doctor prescribed speed and I realized like I didn't really understand nature or anything I had gone so far away from it that at that point in time I um, I one wanted to bring my liver back into order and I knew realized I knew nothing about nutrition and and I was really exhausted and really burnt out at 20 years old and, and that's really insane. And not until I was about 29 did I regain energy and, and sort of my own vitality back. And I completely gained it back. Indirectly, adrenal fatigue and liver, liver enzyme um, reduction really set me on a path to understand nature and the nature of the human body and the anatomy of the body and, and the underworking and the underworld that we can't see below our skin. But I, I really dedicated my life at 20 years old to discovering all of this and it was because of adrenal fatigue did, did you did you find out by yourself how to heal yourself or did you go to somebody a naturopath or whatever or was it just your own doing you know it was interesting i was um i i, I had uh, moved into like a sober living house because being on on that speed you start using other things to sort of make yourself come down and go back up and like you're kind of managing something. And, and um, the doctors had me on such a ridiculously high prescription. You can't imagine if you took one of these for three days, you would be going off, bouncing off the walls. And I was on about nine of those a day. My God. So what happened is that I, um, I, this girl that was living in the sober living house, much younger, like about, she was about 17 years old. And I was only there a few months. So it's, a, it's an interesting story in itself. But so she looked at me and she, and I was kind of like eating meat and cheese and, dairy and I, and I, and, and I gained 50 pounds in six weeks, like unheard of amount of weight. And I, I always had perfect skin and then I had acne and, and, um, and my nails were peeling and things just got really weird. And she said, you know, just become a vegan. And I was like, well, what the hell's a vegan? And she's like, well, you can't eat any dairy, meat or eggs. So you're going to have to figure this out. And so I was like, huh, interesting. So I went to a bookstore and I, I picked up a book and I had already started doing yoga. So moving in that house, the lady said to me, like, I don't think you actually have a typical addiction 
sort of disorder or something like this, I recommend you do yoga every day. And so I started going to yoga every day. And then this girl told me to become vegan. And I started opening books and um, reading them. And at about, at about 22, I came across a book called The Sun Food Diet Success System. And I cracked open that book. And on the first page, it said, it had a quote by Napoleon Hill. He wrote a book called Think and Grow Rich. And he said, in, ten, in five years from now, you can become a master of anything. What are you going to master? And I was like, I am going to master knowing what nutrition is, not by, not by a doctor and not by a book, but like by understanding herbs and understanding the value of a blueberry and understanding the value of an individual thing inside the body, how it works and what it does. And so that became my commitment. Studied with a few PhD doctors, a few MDs. Um, a few holistic doctors, yoga teachers, yoga philosophy, and chefs. And chefs. Was that the onset of you becoming a chef? Not really. It was becoming, becoming vegan and tasting food that was really boring. So that started it. And then it was more like, then I got into raw food and I thought, found like a huge value in raw food and healing the body. And it's actually like, Life food is really where my path went and where it remains sort of. And life food is defined by something that's made in a way that's easy to digest, is starch-free, is flesh-free. And starch-free meaning it doesn't have disaccharide sugars. It doesn't include strange proteins that are not really digestible by the humans and is, is made in a way that's easy to digest. So Dr. Jubb had a sort of a philosophy and I spent a number of years studying with him and working with him on fasting people that were really ill and that went to him to gain strength and vitality back. I also went to him for this reason and I met him synchronistically or symbiotically. We, he, was, he was the teacher I was seeking. And um, he helped me get into liver cleansing and liver fasting. And that completely turned around my health. Amazing. Indeed, amazing. What exactly is the procedure for such a body cleansing? We sort of get the bowels moving. So we, um, we do a lot more liquid meals, blended drinks and snacks. And, um, and again, food made in a way that's easy to digest and in smaller portions where we fast in the morning and we fast through the evening, but in the middle of the day and during the day, maybe 11 to 8 p.m., we might have some soups, some blended soups and some blended drinks and then preparing to do a liver gallbladder cleanse. So we do about three days of that and then a, a prepare, preparation for a liver gallbladder cleanse, which would include drinking olive oil and lemon juice. Oh. Um, and using this to sort of wring out the sponge. So if we think of our liver like a sponge that's sort of absorbing toxin or cleaning up the water on the sink, um, it becomes full and capacitated. And then you sort of wring it out with, with this olive oil, lemon juice combination. So sometimes you're just kind of pop, poking through the plastic bag that the sponge might be in. And then ultimately you can get to wringing it out. Oh, with the body cleans. I believe that people can lose a lot of weight. I did when I did such a body cleanse. I wonder, can that not be unhealthy for some people when they lose too much weight? When you regulate yourself with nature, I mean, we're not supposed to have these big waists and all this bulk on us, really. Our, our bodies are supposed to be a little bit more lean like a cat, uh, like not a, not a fat cat either. <laughs> like, <laughs> An elegant cat. <laughs> yeah, 
the way, like um, the way the cat in the nature would feel, it has um, it sort of has the muscle that forms to the bone, and that there's not a lot of bulk on it, and so really the nature of the the human should should be a bit, a bit more like that. And as the as the waist is smaller, generally the gut is in balance. Well, Jeff is also a chef. He's uh, very well known for desserts. Mm. Yes, I'm keeping quiet there. Uh, I I did go on a, a diet once to try and lose some weight, and it was drinking lots of shakes. But I found that there was just no joy in getting to prepare meals and create meals. Funnily enough, I was watching MasterChef last night, and they were given mystery box challenge where they had to do a vegan dish, and some of the things that they came up with were amazing, incredible, tasty food. So, tell us a bit about your food philosophy and how we can make really creative and interesting food still with this type of cooking. Yeah. Well, I do think that that is one of the areas I really excelled in is that um, I found I had a big problem becoming vegan or even a raw foodist because I found the, um, the food to be a little bit boring. And um, I came across a chef who really inspired me, a, a number of them. And from there, I kind of grew into really realizing that you can make flavorful, highly textured food. And so I would say the, the philosophy behind my business is that really you can sort of be on a cleanse for the rest of your life if food tastes good and, um, and is nourishing. So I would say my philosophy is very much behind making flavorful, filling food. I work with a lot of herbs and spices and salts and oils and um, cold pressed oils and, and nuts. And I, and I work with the Cuisinart and the knives and the blender and the dehydrator and really make a lot of these interesting, rich textured foods. You've had a remarkable life so far, athlete, plant-based chef to corporate and celebrity status. Now you create food for health and cleansing the body aligned with nature. So it's a holistic approach. What's one thing that you are the most passionate about? I would say when somebody comes to me and they don't know what to do, read every philosophy and they've tried everything. And I can just say like, we're just going to go back to nature and look at what's, what's growing wild in nature and then figure out a way to make it taste good. So um, I, I think I'm really passionate about making nature taste good. People that need to, and you know, pe some people are pretty sick and they, they can't absorb nutrition anymore and they can't get it in through their, through their stomach and their body can't assimilate it and they're not absorbing. And, and we can put it all into a, um, what you re referenced as a shake, but um, more of a drink that's almost like the equivalent of eating baby food. So you can spoon it in and, and we can make, make it into a delicious pie, a pizza cracker, a soup. I can hide vegetables in a soup. For somebody that doesn't like soup, I can hide it under macadamia nuts and basil, a pesto tasting thing. You know, a girl ordered from me the other day and she just wrote me and she said, I, I mean, I loved your food. It was so tasty and flavorful, but it was kind of greasy. And I thought that was funny. I, it almost felt like a compliment because mm -hmm. it's raw food. I, I'm like... You just ate raw food and you're telling me it's greasy. Like, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> I was oh. like, <laughs> um, I, I really, I kind of was like rewarded by that funny loaded statement because I was like, I don't think anybody's probably ever heard that in raw food, that they got something greasy and oily. Oh, you know? God. <laughs> yes, it's all about perception, isn't it? You talked um, a while ago about how yoga was so important in your life it changed your life how does yoga and being a chef 
intertwines. So, so yoga is really about the mind, body, and soul connection. And I think if we, when we think about our spirit and our soul, it's probably the closest thing that, that there is to nature. It has its own dance and it has its own rhythm. And yoga is really about bringing together the mind, body, and the spirit. And I think the, the cleaner our body is, the clearer our mind is. The clearer our blood is, the clearer our mind is. The clearer our blood is, the more flexible our body is. But when you're, when you're taking on the consciousness of something dead, you're putting mm. a dead weight into your body. And um, now we do need to cook some of our food. I don't believe completely in eating an all raw diet anymore. But I do think when we put dead food into our body, we're, we're, ta we're, we're taking some of our own life away and, mm -hmm. and, um, and some of our own vibrancy and our, some of our own radiance. And when we take on the energy of a dead animal, we're taking on its, its, its loss of life and, it, and whatever the last energy was running through its blood. Can you tell me some of the changes that you've seen in people who have made these changes in their lifestyle? Yes. Um, I will say occasionally, so on, a, on the negative side, because I think that's kind of where it's interesting, you know, more than it is on the positive side. In general, there's a positive response, but people will, you know, we're working through putrefying meat that's been sitting in the digestive tract for years and backed up toxins and things because three days it can take for flesh to pass through the intestinal tract of a human that that a lot of backup and bacteria and other weird things are in that system so we're talking about now new toxins going into the bloodstream because it's things are starting to move a little bit so people can feel lethargic they can feel like they're missing something they can feel like they have a headache they can because what's happening is there's about a seven-year detox in front of them. Wow. And, um, and, and I know this because I had it. Wow. <laughs> you know, there's a seven-year detox. That the, the body's regenerated and it's in a different form. But it also does cause, there is some work to do. Oh, wow. Can it be that people get underweight like me when eating just vegetables? What shall you do then? Avocados, using oil in your food, cold yeah. oil. Cold pressed oil, you know, drizzling on the olive oil on top of things, just because the oils and the fats they lubricate our cells and and you know, kelp and sea salts. Sea salts are really important for minerals, and seaweeds are important for minerals. Very, very, very vital to human. Sarah, you um, with with your philosophy and what you create, are you the only one in America or in the world doing this type of food? Um. I'm up there. I'm in the 1%. And uh, you write cookbooks. You are online with trainings and courses. I suppose you want to go global. So what exactly is your goal? Because you really want to help people. Yeah, so that's a very good question. I would say I'm in the 1% that we do something that excludes a lot of food. And everything we do is made in a way that's easy to digest and, again, has some semblance growing in wild in nature and is designed as a full-spectrum cleanse line that someone could be on for five years. So looking forward um, and in the launch of Vitalist Food, again, kind of the undertone of the mission is to bring, elevate consciousness through the food body and, and um, help people reconnect to themselves and to nature. The, the plan looks a bit like launching books, online courses and um, moving our shops around the world. Your product line is called Vitalist. Does that word have a specific 
meaning for you? How did you come up with that word? 20 years to come up with the name Vitalist. Mm. And, and I was stuck. I mean, I was really stuck because I couldn't think of what it was. Like it had to be classified in a way that I was comfortable. And I realized that this is really about what's vital and it's a list. And we use a unicorn because what we do is pretty unique. And I, again, I think we're really in the 1% of what we do. Tasty, flavorful, nutrient-rich, heavy, dense, fulfilling food that can be used as a cleansing food. And, you know, it's funny because we really consider what's symbiotic, like what belongs together. So we don't put like bananas with kale because they just don't go together, right? You know, we don't, we don't actually even use bananas, but we put things that belong together together. And, and, and something also really unique that we do is we really put honey in a lot of our food. <laughs> and we, we really feel like we're so, it's our job to support the bees and hire the bees and stand for the bees. Very logic what you say, very logic. How long are you doing this now? Is that 20 years what you're saying or longer? Yeah, it's about, I, I think about, well, so at like 20, I started becoming, 21, I think I became a vegan and I'm now 43. No way. <laughs> oh, you look so fantastic. We all have to do this, Jeff. We have to go on her diet. Yeah. <laughs> on Sundays, I like to have Italian food. And so I allow that. I allow myself to have that. And so on Sundays, I sometimes have a glass of wine with my Italian food. You know, if I can tell people a couple of tips, I would say, you know, get that salad in every day. But get the fiber from the greens in the diet every day. Like, we need it. Having a tea with a little honey in the morning or a little lemon in the morning, maybe a soup in the evening. Well, Jeff, perhaps you can ask her some tips to make nice desserts. You're, you're a master dessert maker. He makes great desserts. Beautiful. And then, oh, Jeff, tell me about your desserts. <laughs> uh, on Netflix, there's a show called Zumbo's Just Desserts. You can see me on there in season two. I love ingredients and whether that's fruits or vegetables or you know whatever is growing particularly stuff from the garden so I do I have tended to kind of end up making a lot of desserts so yeah, give me some great ideas for desserts with vegan food oh so um one of the things we do I make an emulsification using coconut oil and um, sunflower lecithin and honey and water and so I make up this sort of fake egg, and then I we I'll bring in nuts or coconut, flesh, and sort of make a cream in a blender, and then I'll flavor that up, and I make a cappuccino tort where I put you know um, coffee with chocolate and, and coffee with vanilla, and then a like a sort of a, a coconut cinnamon cream on top, and I make that just with nuts and and um, oils and honey. That's kind of what our trick, uh, nuts, and, nuts and honey and oil. That's kind of how we make desserts around here. Um, amazing. And then, you know, powders like chocolate powder or chocolate nibs or sumac sometimes or orange grind or turmeric with like lemons. Um, but all those foods, they're so nutrient rich, aren't they? And that's where it's exciting is they, you, you're feeding your body with nutrients they're on our cleanse so you can be on a cleanse and you can eat this like so the crust is made out of uh, cashews and salt or walnuts and dates and um and then and cinnamon maybe and and then you know the next layer is going to be with more nuts and a little bit of honey and a little bit of coconut oil yeah like our our, our lemon dessert is literally like lemon cashew milk <laughs> 
frozen. <laughs> kind of. So, you know, it's not, we're not, we're not going too far. You know, it's like smoothies. Our pies are like smoothies. Mm. that are just in a different texture and, and a little bit more nuts or a little bit more oil. No, you can make some amazing desserts with cashews where you soak them uh, and then blend that up and coconut oil and berries to flavor it and, and set that like a cheesecake. And that's delicious. Wow. Yeah, that's right. You guys actually um, over in New Zealand, like on the coast of some of the eight, some of that area, you can get something called Irish moss or carrageen. And when you don't cook it, so you can blend it, really wash it. I mean, you have to wash it like a hundred times. Wash it, so you soak it, it inflames and it becomes this almost like um, artery looking, root of a tree looking rubbery kind of white substance. And you soak it and you rinse it a lot to take out the seaweed smell. And then you can blend that down with water and make this gel. Now that gel is super mineral rich and you can use that just with coconut oil and stay away from nuts even and make um, a really creamy, yummy dessert. So you can have seaweed dessert. Uh, it's, it's absolutely incredible, but you really have to rinse that stuff. I mean, you have to rinse it enough that the seaweed flavor comes out and then you kind of make a nice milk. Wow, I'm blown away. Woo. <laughs> when I hear chefs talking about food, wow, I like to try it. I'm not such a cook. I but I like to eat. Yeah, look, it's it's just been so exciting to talk with you and to hear that passion that comes out as you talk, and there's so many ideas and so much creativity, and I'm just loving hearing your story, and I'm sure that that hundreds of other people will love to hear it too. So, oh, I can give you one other tip or two. Ooh, yes, yes, give us some nice tips. Everybody <laughs> likes tips. Yeah, so the dehydrator is kind of a fun thing to work with as well, Jeff, like in going about making desserts. So yeah. you can, uh, if you have access to getting a dehydrator, you can actually blend up some fruit and some honey and roll it and just pour it on like a gel. And you can also take like the nuts and, and, um, and dried fruit and sort of make um, cookies or bars using the dehydrator. So you can make additional sweet treats or bases for desserts in the dehydrator where you get, so you can get the nutrients into the crust or the cream. So you can play with like the things you like. I've got a dehydrator and we, at the, here in New Zealand, we've just finished Fiji our season, which is amazing fruit. It's, it's lovely and tart, but sweet and slightly floral. And mm. everyone sort of seems to end up with buckets of them because everyone grows it. So I dehydrated those and they're a great snack because it's such an intense flavor. Oh, fun. How cool. It's fun, too, sometimes to play with fruit and make it, like, on the spicy side in the dehydrator. Like, spice it up with some pepper. Oh, thank you, Sarah, for sharing some tips and for explaining the importance of food for health. You were an amazing guest, and I hope to talk to you more often in the future. Well, thank you so much for... for um, taking time to hear my story. Oh, it was a wonderful story. We are the ones who are very happy to have your head on our show today. And I'm very impressed with what you have done so far in those 20 years. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing. Oh, and, and bless you for being in New Zealand. Lucky you, I'm jealous. Well, take good care and thanks again. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in. 
And before we leave, perhaps something sparked in you. You may have questions or just want to surround yourself with like-minded people, other entrepreneurs and women beyond ordinary. Join our Facebook page and also a closed group, WBO Exclusive Club, where women can be open and where it is safe to talk and get inspired. We would love you to tune in soon. Have a lovely day.